How are we doing, Rich Church? Uh, my name is Bobby, one of the pastors here at, uh, at the Ridge. We're so glad that you guys are here today. And uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We're talking about words today and the, the power of our words. If you need a free Bible, we, uh, we have those available for you. If you forgot to bring one or if you just don't have one and you would like one, uh, the table that you passed on the way in here is called Ridge Central. There are free Bibles out there. Feel free to go out there and grab one of those and uh, keep it. It's uh, just a small gift. Uh, that we want to be able to to give to you. Let me let you know about one thing that we've got coming up here in a couple of weeks on February the 22nd uh, here at the Ridge. We're doing a uh, all day marriage seminar simulcast uh, through uh, the Real Marriage uh, Simulcast with Pastor Mark Driscoll and his wife Grace. Uh, they're not actually physically going to be here, but we are going to be uh, doing a live simulcast with them here at the Ridge, and uh, it's going to be a great day. So if you're married, if you're single, if you want to be married one day. This is a fantastic way for you to invest in your relationship, in your marriage, and it only costs 10 bucks, and so you can't even beat that anywhere. Like, I mean, that's, that's amazing. So 10 bucks, that's for 10 bucks for a couple or 10 bucks for an individual. Either way, just flat, 10 bucks, whatever, and uh, that just goes back to uh, paying for the simulcast. But uh, outside of that, there's going to be lunch provided for you. It's going to be from 9 that morning until 4.30 that afternoon, and it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you want more information for that or you want to register for that, uh, just go to our website, ridgechurchonline.com or ridgechurch.cc, either way, and you'll see a big thing up there that says Real Marriage Simulcast, and you can go there and you can register online. And if I get to be too boring, you can just do it during the service, okay? So um, I'll, I'll just think that you're playing Angry Birds. You know, just turn the sound down. It'll be okay. But um, we're talking about words today, okay? We're talking about words and the, and the power of our words. We've been in this series for the last several weeks called Reset, and we're just talking about how we reset our lives, how we reset back to a foundation that is strong. A, a biblical foundation for our lives. And so today, um, I want to just talk to you about our, our words. And, and you might think on the surface that, well, that kind of sounds really elementary and it kind of sounds, uh, you know, not, not deep enough for me. And uh, I just want to challenge you with that today. I want you to think about, like, the power of your words, how you talk to others and how you think about others. And so this is going to be relevant to all of us because we've all said things, haven't we? that have hurt people. Haven't we all said things where we've really just put our foot in our mouth before, right? Anybody? Anybody? I mean, we, we've all done that, right? We've all. And I know that I've done it. As a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I did it here at church. It was about three or four weeks ago, and I'm standing out in the hallways between services, and I'm talking to a couple uh, who had uh, lost his grandfather the week before. And so we're kind of talking about that, and we're just, you know, I'm asking him how his week has been, you know, what what has been going on there, and so they're telling me about that, and there's another person standing there, and so I, I turned to them, and I asked them, I was like, so how's your week been? And they respond with, well, you know, it's, it's been okay, and this was my response to them. Well, I guess you could be in a lot worse places. And then I was like, I think I just heard somebody say, Bobby, I'm going to walk down the hall down here and go, I felt horrible. I felt so bad. Like, how did I just do that? Like, what? Seriously, come on. And, um, and so I just stuck my foot in my mouth, and I'm, I'm really good at that. I don't know if you're good at that, but I, I've, I've, I'm like MVP this year, okay? But, um, and it's only January or February. But we, we, all have these, we all have these moments, don't we, where we've done that. We've said something that we wish that we wouldn't have said. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes, you know, it's not so funny. 
The words, words are very powerful. They can, they can shape who a person becomes, either, either good or bad. And so I think a lot of times we, we really underestimate the power of our words uh, all the time, really. And so there was this guy by the name of John Calvin, and uh, John Calvin's a, a theologian, and uh, he said this. He said, I consider looseness with words no less of a defect than looseness of the bowels. Let me say that again. He said, I consider looseness with words no less of a defect than looseness of the bowels. And so he's basically telling us what we already know, that sometimes we can have diarrhea of the mouth, right? We're we're guilty of that many times. And it, it happens where we just talk and we say things, and then we're like, did I just say that out loud? I know that I thought it, but literally I just I said that out loud. And so James, in the book of James, he shows us that what we say to one another is a direct picture of our maturity in Christ. How we speak about and to others shows our, our character and, and our heart, really. And so this, this isn't really about words. It's not just about like just the words that we speak and, and cleaning up our speech, because we can all do that, can't we? Like We can all clean up our speech a little bit, but it goes much deeper than just that. It goes deep into our hearts. If you're taking notes today and you're writing things down, you can write this down. This is today's bottom line. If our hearts are surrendered before God, our tongues are controlled before people. If our hearts are surrendered before God, our tongues are controlled before people. So the last three weeks in this reset series, we've been going through the book of James. And in the first week, our uh, campus pastor, Rusty, he talked about how we navigate temptation and talked about how God doesn't tempt us. It's not God that, that tempts us, but God does give us a way out of temptation, right? We talked about that in week one and week two. We talked about how you can't just hear the word. Like, hearing God's word is part of the um, equation, but you can't just stop there. You can't just hear the word that we also have to do the word. We have to be compelled to do the word, and so we have to hear the word, do the word, and be the word. And then a couple of weeks ago in week three, we talked about the difference between authentic faith and a false faith. How faith, our faith, your faith, if you're a believer in Christ, our faith should move us to action. We shouldn't just stop with believing in God because the demons in hell believe in God. We can't just stop there. It has to take us further than that. We have to be compelled to go further than that. And so if you have a Bible in James chapter 3, let me just read you a couple of verses here. James 3, starting in verse number 2, says this, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, whenever, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed uh, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
So James, is, he, he's talking here, and he's talking about the tongue, but he's talking about what comes off of the tongue. He's talking about the words that we speak, and so he's showing us how powerful our words can be. In fact, verse 5, he says that the tongue is a, it's a small member, yet it boasts of great things. It, it can set a forest ablaze by such a small fire. It, this spring and, and summer and fall, and every spring, summer, and fall, if you turn on the news, you see this, don't you? You see where somebody has created a very small spark, and that very small spark has erupted to engulf thousands of acres of land into flames, hasn't it? And so this is what James is saying about our words. He's saying that our words have the power, it's like a spark, to set something on fire. And if you've ever said anything to hurt somebody, if you've ever said anything that was uh, directed towards someone to be hurtful, you know what that word or those words can do to others, don't we? How it hurts, how it pierces, how it shapes. I had a, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I had this um, this guy who worked in our middle school ministry, and, and we took all our students on a trip to, uh, we were doing like a, a, a retreat one fall, and, and as we're at this retreat, we had a great time. We were there for the whole weekend. It was just a, an amazing time. The Spirit of God really moved, and so when we got back, I, I put together an email, and I sent this email out to, to parents and, and to all of our student ministry workers, and just sent it to everybody, just letting them know about this amazing time that we had on this trip. And when I sent the email back, some of our student ministry workers, they responded with, you know, it was great, it was such a great time. And, and then we had this, this one guy who responded back as well, and he said, uh, he said something along the, the, the lines of, yeah, it was great, we had a great time, but then there was this one kid, man, he was, he was such a pain in the rear, you know? Except he replied all, which went to all the parents, including this kid's parents, right? And so you can imagine, like, what happened with that. It was not good. Like, it went very badly, very quickly. As a matter of fact, I got a phone call from the parents within minutes of receiving this email, like, reply all. And then I got a phone call from my pastor. I had a deacon's meeting the next day. It was ugly. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just bad. And so words are powerful. Words misspoken are powerful. But words that are spoken well of people are also very powerful. And so Proverbs 18.21 says this, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruits. Death and life. Words bring life, but words can also suck the life right out of someone. They either help or they hurt. They're either life-giving or they're life-taking. Earlier in Proverbs 12, it says that there is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So look at the contrast there, like between words, how hurtful words can be, but also how helpful words can be. Reckless words can be painful. It, 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 if you're married in here, you know the power of reckless words, don't you? Words misspoken to our, to our spouses are very powerful, and they set our marriages on a, on a course for destruction at times. But the flip side to that is that words that are encouraging, words that are life-giving, can really help a marriage, can't they? And same if you, if you have kids, you know that the words that you speak to your kids can empower your children. But words that are spoken to your kids that are painful can really harm them, can't they? 
And same thing for kids. If you're, uh, if you're a kid in here today, you know that, or maybe you don't know this, maybe you need to know this, parents, and can I get an amen, that your words back to your parents can be hurtful too. But they can also be encouraging. They can also be encouraging when we use the words that we have within us well. And so they can set a course for destruction at times. Some of you in here have lost a job because of your words. Some of you have lost a spouse because of your words. Some of you have severed relationships with your children because of words. Some of you have lost parents because of words. You've lost friends because of words. We've all said hurtful words and have had them said about us. In church, wor- in church world, it, it, it's, it's kind of funny. Words are in church world. Because in, in, in church, like we, we use words a lot of times, um, you know, sometimes we use big, long, hairy church words that only church people know, you know, sometimes. So you have that set of words. But you also have words that are disguised uh, to be helpful but are really hurtful. Um, let me give you an example. The, uh, the prayer request that's really gossip. You know what I'm talking about? You ever, you ever heard one of those? You're all good Christian people, so you've never done these. But um, the... Uh, you know, the, the, the prayer request, that, that, that's really gossip. You know, it's like, we need to pray for Jane. Her marriage is in trouble. Because Tom's been running around with the secretary. <laughs> pray for him, too. Going to hell. You know what I'm talking about. You're laughing because you've heard it. You read it in one of those little bulletins that you got when you walked in, right? Pray for Jane and her cheating husband, Tom, you know? You've seen that. Or, um, you know, the repeating of rumors that are supposed to be helpful, you know? It's like we, um, when we started this church almost five years ago, uh, we had, we had, like, rumors would get back to me and, and, and my wife about, about our church being this cult, right? They'd be like, don't go to that church. I'm just trying to help you here. I just, I just don't want to see you get hurt. Don't go to that cult. You know, and I'd hear that and be like, would you like some Kool-Aid? Red or blue? Like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of before, a cult. But like, like we would hear things. I'd hear things about me that weren't true or about my family that weren't true that were just hurtful. And then when I found out, like, I would trace them back and find out where they came from, they always came from church people. It's like, are you kidding me? But it happens. We know that it happens sometimes we judge people's motives with words we share details that are supposed to be private or my favorite maximizing others sins while dismissing our own i like to call that the pharisee syndrome but you you've probably been on on both ends of these i've been on both ends of these in fact, you didn't know that you did this, but you've probably cussed people out before in church without ever using a four-letter word. Bless their heart. You should have just dropped one on them, you know, because it have been, been the same thing. The same thing. God love his heart. You know, you just cussed me out in church. church Christianese. There are words. Listen, guys. Our, our words are, are powerful. They, they can bring life. They can bring death. And an unsurrendered heart has a death-dealing tongue. 
An unsurrendered heart to God has a death-dealing tongue, but a controlled tongue will show a surrendered heart to God. Think about how powerful words are when it comes to what God gives us in words. God created the universe with words. He created you with words. He created everything that we see. He created it all with words. When God said, let there be light, it was those words that set the world on its course, that set the universe on its course, that gave the stars their light, that gave the moon its reflection. Let there be light. Those words that God spoke, those words are still creating life today. That's how powerful words are. I love to to look at the the NASA Hubble Telescope website, and I look at it at least once a week, sometimes more, because I love to look at the pictures on the the Hubble Telescope website, because I, I love to see how God is still creating worlds and universe and stars and planets, and how all of those things are being created by God just speaking, let there be light. It's amazing. Not only that, but God reveals himself in words, doesn't he? You have God revealing his character and nature in the palm of your hand in Scripture. This is God in words telling you who he is. He uses words to do that. God comforts us with words. We read Scripture here and we see comfort in what he has written to us in words. We see conviction of sin that we see that he has written to us in words. We connect with God. Our hearts connect to God with words through prayer, right? When we pray, we are using words to connect to the heart of God. Isn't that, isn't that the power of words? And it, it's in words that, that God gives us where he says to us that our sins are forgiven, that we have life, that we can have everlasting life. It was on the cross that Jesus spoke words that still ring true, don't they? When Jesus was on the cross and he's hanging between two thieves, and one thief says to him, God, remember me today. Forgive me of my sins. What does Jesus say back to him? He says, today I will remember you in paradise. He's giving that man who is dying eternal life. Then a few moments later, Jesus speaks three words that changed the course of history forever. It split the world in two, split time in two, when he said, it is finished. Not only did it complete everything that he came to accomplish, but it split time in two. Listen to verse 9. It says, with it, talking about words, with our tongue, with it we bless Lord, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Think about that for a second. Think about, understand this, you and I, regardless of whether you want to believe it or not, but you and I have been made in the image of God. We've been made in God's image, and so we are reflectors of the image of God. And so what James is saying here, he's saying that to use words to tear someone else down is to tear down the image of God. To use words to be hurtful toward other people is to use words to actually attack God's image and be destructful toward something that God has created. And then in verse 10, 10 through 12, 
this is the the piece of scripture I like to call the do you kiss your mother with that mouth verse but listen listen to what James says in verse 10 he says from the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers these things ought not to be so does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water can a fig tree my brothers bear olives or a grapevine produce figs neither can a salt pond yield fresh water plainly speaking our tongues and our words all of these things are connected to our hearts it's not just about words listen anybody in here even if you're not a believer even if you've not ever given your life to christ anybody in here can clean up their speech we can all say you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do better i'm gonna i'm gonna not talk so bad about this person or i'm not gonna say this or i'm not gonna tell that joke or i'm not gonna use that language whatever those things are like we can all we can all do that for a while but unless our hearts which are connected to our words, unless our hearts are surrendered to God, our tongue will never be controlled. It'll never be controlled. James isn't just talking about behavior modification. That's behavior modification. You just say, well, I'm just going to change it, but I'm not going to surrender my heart. That's just behavior modification. But what James is actually talking about is he's talking about heart transformation. Heart transformation. And so the truth is we can, we can all do that but unless we have a surrendered heart to god our words will never be life-giving john wesley uh, a long past preacher said this he said let your words be the genuine picture of your heart let your words be the genuine picture of our hearts jesus said that the out of the overflow the the mouth speaks doesn't it and so basically what he's saying, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, whatever is in here, whatever is in your heart, eventually that's coming out. So what, what is in here will eventually come out here in the form of words. And they will either be life-giving or life-sucking. So our thoughts are clothed with our words. Words are powerful. And they can change people. Just like hurtful words can change people, positive, life-giving words can change people. Think about uh, the conversation that Jesus had with a man by the name of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Um, in John chapter 3, uh, Nicodemus, he's a, he's a Pharisee, he's a, he's a religious leader. And, and by really just looking at the guy, he's got, every, he's got it all together, like he's got his life together. You know, he looks very spiritual, he looks very religious, he looks like he knows what he's doing, right? But he waits until night and he rolls up on Jesus because he's curious about who Jesus is. And he wants to know, and so he comes to Jesus and he has this conversation with Jesus. And it's in John chapter 3 that we see some of the most powerful words, words that have changed some of your lives. Words that have changed the lives of millions, if not billions of people. Because Jesus says back to Nicodemus in John three sixteen, When Nicodemus is asking about this eternal life that he talks about, Jesus says, God lo so loved his son, right, that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him will not die but have everlasting life. You know that verse. You've heard that verse. You've seen it on signs at football games. But for some of you, that verse has changed your life. 
Because you believe it. Words. Life-giving words. God, when God called us to, uh, to start this church, there were words that were spoken that changed some people's lives. If anybody has ever told you that they believe in you, has anybody ever told you that? Has anybody ever looked at you and said, hey, I, I believe in you. I, you can do this. You know, I, I have faith in you. I have hope in you. If anybody has ever told you that, then those words have changed your life, have they not? Our words have, again, the power to bring life or death to someone. And so let me ask you a question. Are your words filled with grace pointing people to Jesus, or are they slowly taking the life out of people? Are your words filled with grace that are pointing people to Jesus, or are they slowly taking the life out of people? Charles Spurgeon, he wrote this. He said that more of a man is seen in his words than in anything else belonging to him. You may look into his face and be mistaken. You may visit his house and not discover him. You may scan his business and and misunderstand him. But if you hear his daily conversation, you shall soon know him because the heart babbles out its secret when the tongue is in motion. Again, this is not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. It's about worship. It's about where your heart is surrendered to. Look at verse 9 again. It says, uh, James says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. And so James is saying that that we can't praise God and, and curse people at the same time. Like especially if you're if you're a believer in here, you've given your life to Christ. Let's let's think about this for a minute. What what, what are your words filled with life, or are they life taking? Are, are are your words pointing people to Jesus, or do your words make people look at you and say, "I can't see Jesus in him or her" because of the words that they speak? In other words, the cursing of people is not worship. And that doesn't change our hearts. If our hearts are pointed toward God, they cannot be pointed toward the destruction of people through words. Because a worshiping mouth cannot be a cursing mouth. Some of you have seen people who, you know, talked the talk, right? They said all the right things. Sometimes they, they did all the right things uh, at times. But they were just mean as all get out. Like behind closed doors, they just just mean. But here's the deal. That can't happen if their hearts are surrendered to God. That's, that's just simply behavior modification. It has nothing to do with their hearts being changed. And so it's, it's spiritually impossible to, to love God and hate his creation. And you and I, each one of us, we're God's creation. We are created in his image. We are created to reflect a holy God. And so to hate something that God has created is to hate God himself. We can't have a worshiping mouth and a cursing mouth at the same time. And listen, I'm not talking about four-letter words. <laughs> Just talking about the evil, vile, mean hurtful things that can come out of our mouths. So what do we do? 
What do we do? We, now, that, now that we know this, maybe you've never been told this, maybe you've never really looked at this this way, so, so what do we do with this? What do we go from here with this? I think it's, I think it's really simple, actually. Not as difficult as, as maybe we might make it. Because maybe, maybe you've mishandled words and, and have started some big fires. Like some of the words that you've actually spoken have made a spark that caused a huge fire. But it was with a word that God spoke forgiveness over you. And it is with words that we can also come to the cross and repent. It's with words that we simply, if we've, if we've been hurtful toward others, if we've used words in a destructful way, or, or maybe you know somebody, or not you know somebody, let's not do that, let's just talk about you for a minute, all right? Let's not, don't be like, yeah, my wife, man, she needs to get her tongue under control. Well, let's not do that, let's just talk about you for a second, okay? Maybe you have been loose with your words, you've been destructful with your words. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, right now, today, today's a great time for you to repent of that. All of us. Every day, every month, every day is a great day to repent. But right now is a great time for you to repent. Repentance, that's, that's another one of those big hairy church words that we use sometimes. Repentance, all it means is that we turn from our sin and we turn to the cross. And we're turning away from something and we're running to the cross. We're turning away from our hurtful words from our destructive, life-sucking words, death-dealing words, and we're running to the cross to repent. And so if you're a believer here this morning and, and you know that maybe you've said some things that have hurt others, the words that we speak to Christ can also heal ask for forgiveness. It's those words that we speak to Christ that heals our hearts of sin. So I would say that's step one. Step two, today would be a good day to just say sorry. Because your words may have hurt someone that you wish that you would not have hurt. And so you humbling yourself and with great courage, because it takes courage to say you're sorry. To go to whoever that is, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's the person you flipped off in the drive-thru at McDonald's, I don't know. But then you go to them and just say sorry. My wife and I, we were coming home Tuesday night in the snow and driving back home. And we, we live up on a, a really tall hill and um, snow was covered. We tried to make it up the hill, we couldn't. So we came back down and parked our car down at the bottom of the hill and had to kind of walk up the road a little bit and then up the hill toward our house. And as we're walking, <laughs> there's this car that kind of drives by us. And I guess his window didn't work. And so he opens his door and, like, honks his horn and, like, holds out the one-finger salute. You know what I'm talking about? I almost, I almost did it. Um, <clears throat> it's the unsanctified part of me, okay? Uh, but, like, flips us off, right? 
And I, I'm like, we're, we're like staring at the guy and like, I'm about to like hurl something back at him. Cause I don't, I don't even know, like he's way on the other side of the street. Like I was like, why are you flipping to me off? Like, what did I do? You know, like we're walking, you're driving. But then like, and, 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 and you know, he pulls his arm back in, shuts the door. And then the next, like real quick, he opens the door back up and kind of hits his brake and he goes, Hey, sorry, wasn't talking to you. And then we were like, oh, okay, that's cool then. All right, we're good. This, this, uh, this transfer truck had, had kind of pulled out in front of him, so I guess he was talking to them. <clears throat> but, but he said he was sorry, so it kind of made everything okay. Like, you know, like if you've ever been flipped off in traffic, it just kind of ruins your day, doesn't it? Like, especially if you didn't do anything wrong, you know, and... and I was like, I didn't need to be flipped off right now, but, you know, you just made it all better by saying sorry. Listen, some, for some of you, today would be a great day for you to go and say sorry. After you repent, ask God, surrender your heart, your words, your tongue, surrender that to God. And then ask for the courage and the humbleness to say sorry. Ask the Lord to guard your speech. Surrender your mouth. Because if our hearts are surrendered before God, our tongues are controlled before people. Listen, it sounds like a really small thing. And it is. The tongue is a very small thing. But just like James said, said a, like a small rudder controls a large ship. Like a, like a bit in a horse's mouth controls the direction of a horse. Our tongues are very powerful as well. So however you need to respond today, I just encourage you to take this time as we sing another song or two here, as we worship, as we surrender our hearts to God, that I just encourage you to do that, to just do that, to surrender your hearts to God today so that your tongue will be controlled before God, so your heart will be surrendered before God. You're here. You might as well do work. Let's pray. Father, God, we humbly just submit ourselves to you, God. God, we thank you for your word, how your word, God, heals, how your word uh, convicts, how your word guides us, God, how it lights a path for us to walk down, Father. God, how your word has led us today to, to think about the words that we speak, what, what is actually coming out of our hearts, God. God, as our hearts surrender to you, Father. God, let us surrender our hearts to you, God. Let us, fill us with the courage, God. Fill us with the the bravery to to humble ourselves, to to just submit ourselves to you, to submit our hearts over to you, God. God, and forgive us for using words that are hurtful. God, forgive me of using words that have hurt others. God, forgive me for using words that were destructive and not life-giving. God, fill us with the courage to take the very next step, to surrender our hearts. If our hearts are surrendered before you, our our tongues are controlled before people, so that our speech will point people toward you, God, and not away from you. Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.